The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansack. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and the New York Yankees are no longer in the MLB playoffs. So great, right on schedule. The ALCS is happening. The Yankees are not a part of it. And we do thank you for listening along with us because guess what? We're not happy either. This is not the pod we wanted to do. And folks, we're in the thick of the garbage. We are living a terrible life and an awful existence in the same way that you are. So let's talk about it. Uh, Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts. Make sure to drop us a five-star review. And folks, there is no better time than the present for mailbag questions, we assure you. We have a million mailbag questions ourselves. We might drop them in the five-star reviews of our own podcast so that we can answer them. Thomas, it's been a couple of days. This is now Monday. Um, Game was Friday night. Feels like it was both yesterday and seven years ago. Can you believe at some point the Yankees were in the playoffs and we had to, like, care about the playoffs and stuff? Yeah, it was my biggest fear, actually, was caring for as long as we did and potentially even longer. Um, it's just sad, man. It really is. I, I, there's really no other way to describe it. We got to the game five, which was exactly how it was kind of mapping itself out to transpire. Garrett Cole on the mound, fairly rested bullpen. Lineup was, you know, wasn't this bad, but they picked this game to be this bad. Um Ray started a guy on two days rest and then went to their closer in the fourth inning. Like, I don't know what planet, what planet that's going to work for. That doesn't work for us. We brought in our closer in the seventh and that proved to be the most disastrous scenario on planet earth. They bring their closer in in the fourth and it, I guess, turns out it ends up working out even though they surrendered the lead. So I don't know. This is, we have a lot to talk about, but 
um, just it's it's sad. It it really is. You can't. I I can't even be angry. You can't. If you're angry at this point, I I don't I don't know how you're you're uh you know channeling your emotions because I, I don't know how you can be mad about what happened. It's it's literally just draining. It's 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 pathetic, and that's that's how I feel. I think the one thing I'm happy about that I didn't foresee myself being happy about when it happened on Friday night is that I think the world realized that this was just the division series and it didn't really matter because they have not made as big a deal of the Mike Brasso thing as I thought they would. It was a hot Twitter. It was a hot Twitter thing for like five, 10 minutes. But when that happened, I was like, Oh great. We have another Dave Roberts steal. Like this is going to be 30 years of my life having to listen to grandparents bounce their Tampa kids on their knees and be like the story of Mike Brasso. See a Chapman through his first ever up and in fastball. And so it must've been on purpose because this guy decided it was on purpose and it started a blood feud that only one of the two people gave a shit about. And it culminated in a playoff series winning home run. And it feels like every one of the Red Sox and Boston media type people and just Twitter people who love to watch the Yankees demise made a big deal out of it from the hours of 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Friday. And then the next morning, we're kind of collectively like, that was the division series, right? We, we no longer care that that was a moment. Okay, great. We're moving on. Uh, kudos to Brasso. Incredible at bat. Um, nothing, no knock on him. But it, it was written in the stars that that was going to happen. Because time and again, it feels like the Yankees' enemies get their way at the end, get the ultimate revenge. Um, and even if it's a, you know, a perceived slight versus a real one, you know, the real revenge would be if Austin Romine showed up and hit a home run against Andrew Kittredge, hmm. but Andrew <laughs> Kittredge had Tommy John and Austin Romine's on the Tigers. And so it doesn't, the revenge doesn't go to the guys who started it. It goes to the guy who most recently acted aggrieved uh, and the Rays, the team with tears in their ears after Brasso homered <laughs> in, in the last game of the regular season series, at Yankee stadium get the revenge and the huge uh, home run again. Um, it does kind of feel like we're just paying for Chapman forever. Like this just feels like another, uh, the Cubs are able to win the 2016 world series, despite actively trading for oldest Chapman in the middle of that year uh, and reaping the benefits of having him on their team. And now we are, uh, you know, susceptible to the Chapman curse every single fall. Roll with Coda and roll on over to our digital fare management system that lets you digitize dollars and save money every time you ride. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Learn more at Coda.com forward slash transit app. This is two years in a row that the season has ended on his left arm. Uh, last year, he got beat on a slider, second best pitch went out of his way to not get beat on a slider this year and got just destroyed on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball in the inner half of the plate. Um, it's him again, and hopefully it will not be him a third time next year because hopefully the Yankees will find a way to jettison this contract. They, uh, they have to. That's, I, I don't think there's, any, there's really any other alternative. If he does this for a third year in a row, and don't forget, the, he, he technically has done this uh, uh, three times in, I guess, four years because he blew that game in the 2017 ALCS that kind of uh that turned the tides and Rajai Davis yep and don't forget about he almost blew game seven of the world series so you know we first of all acquiring him was in bad faith I think we all know that he was under investigation for uh domestic violence uh the Yankees you know did what I guess a lot of teams would do and take advantage get him on the cheap because he was facing a suspension 
nonetheless, not really a, a good business practice there uh, to do something like that. And oh. there, there's, there's karmic results from that. I, I think uh, on top Absolutely. of, on top of all that bad stuff, you have the fact that he, before even coming to the Yankees, had pitched in five postseason games in six in six seasons. This is not like he was on the Cincinnati Reds. It's not like this guy is, you know, has been tried and and gone through the the gauntlet of high leverage situations and facing great teams. Like the NL Central wasn't that great from 2010 to 20, 2015. It just wasn't. Um, and you know, he has since upped all of the competition, having to face all these better teams. And he, you know, regular season saves are great. You know, he's good during the regular season, but, you know, a save against the Royals in July is a lot different from trying to shut the door on the Astros or shut the door on the Rays in, you know, a a playoff deciding game. And he's proven he can't do that. And I I don't know what, you know, I don't know what else really you can, you can say here. If you can't rely on this guy to bring him in for look, Boone brought him in for seven outs. I didn't disagree with it. I didn't know what other option the, the guy had. We could talk about that in a minute. But Aroldis Chapman, who, you know, started his career as a as a starter, I, I think should probably be able to get seven outs. Um, he pumps over 100 miles an hour. Uh, I don't know why, uh, you know, I'm also not a big guy on defining somebody as solely a closer. I, I think that if you're a pitcher, you should be able to go two innings if, if that's if that's what you're called upon to do. But either way, he didn't have the track record to play in scenarios like this. He was on a perennial bottom feeder in the Reds, and it didn't really matter. His performances didn't really matter. Then he comes to the Yankees, gets traded to the Cubs, doesn't have a great postseason with them. You know, he he gave up two runs in four and two-thirds innings pitch that NLCS, and then he gave up that home run to Rajay Davis, although the rest of his, although the rest of his uh, series against the Indians was actually pretty damn good. Um, but still that's game seven of the world series. That's what you have to, you literally just can't give up the three run home run. And that's what he did. Um, and like I said, if this happens a third, if this happens a fourth time, I guess, because it already, <laughs> if it happens a third time in a row, if this were to happen next year, New York city would burn there. There's you would see cars on fire. You know, bodegas would be getting looted. Uh, people would be getting smacked in the face with heroes. It, it wouldn't be a good look. And it's something, something needs to change and the Yankees need to, make some adjustments I think here yeah it would look like a Lakers championship celebration I mean they're they're just there's no more like it's crazy but there's no more predictable backslide in baseball than this happening to a Roldis Chapman who entered the league in 2010 and his whole thing was this guy throws harder than anyone you've ever seen 105 you know record speed miles an hour that's his his weapon he's got the craziest fastball you'll ever see Father time comes for all of us. Arolas Chapman still throws very hard. 100, 101, that's great. He's not setting records. He's not hitting 105 anymore. The, the 100, 101, you can, look, saying you can live with 100, 101, of course you can. Like, it's not disqualifying for a pitcher to throw that hard. But everybody throws that hard now. Every team has a weapon who throws as hard as Arolas Chapman, at least one. Pete Fairbanks came in for the Rays in the middle of that game, throwing 100. Aroldis Chapman throws 100 and can't locate it as well as Pete Fairbanks can because he came up in a time when he was the 105 throwing marvel. He was the, the eighth wonder of the world. And who cares about location and, and, you know, fastball timing and all the intricacies of baseball when you throw 105.1? 
So as Aroldis Chapman has lost a few miles an hour off his fastball as he's aged, the rest of baseball has acquired and trained pitchers to throw almost the exact level of velocity that he does. So every bullpen has one or two Aroldis Chapmans now. He's not special. People like Mike Brasso have timed his fastball. And, and Chapman is a great slider on occasion, and he doesn't trust it in big moments because of what the buzzer boys did to him in Houston in 2019. So now we're left with a guy who, in big moments, wants to blow a 100-mile-an-hour fastball past people, usually can, and sometimes can. It's just as much of a crapshoot watching him pitch as it is watching anybody pitch, and I certainly don't trust him more than I trust Pete Fairbanks, who, by the way, gave the Rays the length in this Game 5 that Chapman could not mm-hmm. give. Um, so that's the end of the story. Like Chapman is a good, a good to very good closer and not someone who you can bring in and say game is over because yeah. there are people like Chapman. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's beginning to become game is over in the other direction. Uh, yeah. And look what happened. Look what happened in the wild card series. He comes in again for a two inning stint. Once again, if you're, if you're a pitcher, you should probably be able to pitch two innings. I don't know on what planet we have, made you know you're one inning guy that's all you can do that's all you're ever going to do for the rest of your career no this is the playoffs it's all hands on deck nonetheless he comes in against cleveland first pitch gives up the single to to tie the game yeah or to give to give up the lead and then if Gio Urshela doesn't make that play the yankees lose that game and then probably don't even advance so there it's hard to it's hard to say that he has the untouchable value that he once did because it's clear that the results on the field and the results, you know, based on the eye test, they're not there. He's not, like you said, he's not, he doesn't have that 105 mile an hour fastball. He could throw like two feet above the zone and somebody's just going to swing. Cause they're like, all right, fuck it. Here it comes. Like I have to, I have to figure it out. Like a hundred's a different story and he's lost speed on it. His slider's not that great. He's trying the split figure thing, which whatever. Uh, should have gotten work- a call. Should have yeah. gotten a call. Strike three on it though. On yeah, Brasso, should have gotten a call. Strike three. If only there were a framer behind home plate. Did did we take one of those out in the top of the eighth to pinch hit Mike Ford by any chance? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why we did that either. But I don't know. I really don't. I have no idea. I have no idea what they. <laughs> but that's the other thing. Like, what are your two? What What are your two? Uh, you know, like uh, death sentence moves the Yankees made in in this. I guess just this game because. I don't know if we – we know game two, the pitching plan, that wasn't Aaron Boone. We all know that wasn't Aaron no. Boone. Stop thinking it was Aaron Boone. So game five, what are the two decisions that, that put this team in the grave? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't – I agree with you that, that Chapman for seven outs is not like the most indefensible thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, think, I think this pitching plan in this game particularly worked out the exact way that Aaron Boone wanted it to. Um, I, I would have, you know, Garrett Cole gives up the game tying home run to Austin Meadows. I obviously have no problem with trying to get Garrett Cole through the fifth. I don't think that, you know, I, you'd be crazy to argue they should have removed him with the lack of bullpen depth they had before that point. Um, I probably would have, you know, I, I would have probably had to, you know, try to get Britain to finish the seventh. Uh, I'm not really sure why they needed to bring Chapman for seven outs instead of six outs, but ultimately what's the difference there? Um, I, I do think pinch hitting Mike Ford for Higashioka is one of the craziest things you'll ever see. And, and I called Boone out on that move in the postgame, not because it directly led to the team's downfall and not because after the game you could pinpoint if only they hadn't pinch hit Mike Ford. But at the same time, it was just so inexplicable that it, it did like signal this larger mindset of just like, did he, did he freak out again? Did he panic after, after all this decision-making scrutiny in the game two, which clearly was not, I would say clearly was not his fault. 
clearly was an organizational decision. You don't think, yeah, that was a front office decision. And if Jay Happ isn't Jay Happ, they probably win that game. Like, I would have started yeah. Davey Garcia and pitched him like a normal human being. I borderline understand why they got cute, but you can't, you, there's no reason to get cute with Jay Happ, especially if Jay Happ is telling you, I don't want to do this and I'm bad at this and I'd rather start. It's like, okay, well, then that's the end of the line. I'm not going to do it. Um, but, but pinch hitting Mike Ford there for Higashioka. When Higashioka, for better or worse, has been like the only spark uh, behind the plate that they've had, he, he blocked all those balls in the Jordan Montgomery game. He blocked some balls for Garrett Cole. Uh, he guided Cole through 3-0, bases loaded two outs in the first to get three straight strikes and a called strike looking at Joey Wendell. Um, Higashioka behind the plate was awesome. So if you're going to take him out for a bat in the top of the eighth in a tie game, I, I don't, you know, in a vacuum, I understand wanting to remove that bat. Um, and putting in Clint Frazier makes some semblance of sense in that situation. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Um, but if you're going to remove him, you are, you are saying in the middle of a Roldis Chapman split inning duty, you're going to replace his catcher with a catcher with a worse pedigree and everything he needs behind the plate. Don't like that. And if you're going to put Gary Sanchez in the game behind the plate, put Gary Sanchez in the game at the plate. It's just you're going to – like, there are so few pinch-hitting options who are worse than Gary Sanchez right now with the mojo he brings. But you know who one of them is? Mike Ford. And I hate to even bring this up, but did Aaron Boone think that since Mike Ford and Whitey Ford share the last name Ford, that he was going to get some Ford magic? Because other than that, there is no justification for pinch-hitting. An ice-cold Mike Ford who has not had a hit since August. Maybe. August. His yeah. last hit was in the month of August, which is two months prior to the month it currently is. Um, so you, you asked me for which two moves I think are, are the death of, of the team in this one. I, I think like I think it's the double move in the eighth. I think it's le- taking Higashioka out and putting Gary Sanchez in and then using the at-bat for Mike Ford instead of any of the people who, who might have been more viable there. Um, and then I will also say that uh, – it, you, this is not a managerial move that you can count that. And if you want a legitimate second thing that I think killed the team, uh, Tyler glass now in the very first inning has an eight pitch inning on two days rest. Yep. That's embarrassing enough. Uh, second inning, he falls behind three Oh to Giancarlo Stanton Stanton swings and rips a grounder at the third baseman for the first out. He fell behind three and O on, I believe Glaber Torres uh, who also swung on three. So two batters in the second inning swung on three Oh and made immediate outs. Uh, he did walk someone in the second inning, so there was traffic on the bases. I still can't believe that happened. It, and it gets forgotten in the shuffle of this game. And, you know, obviously they do take a one nothing lead and then do nothing ever again. But you have a guy walked in the second inning. There's a guy on base. You need to get this pitcher out of the game. That's objective number one. Get him out as soon as possible. Throw off the Rays pitching strategy. Don't allow them to complete anything they have drawn up. And you have a three-ball no-strike count on not one but two people in the middle of the order I understand why Stanton is swinging. He is Stanton. He's red hot. He's shown the propensity to walk in other games. And now what we need is a walk. We don't need the off chance that he hangs a slider on 3-0. 
or puts a fastball right in the happy zone. We need men on base, and we need men on base against this specific pitcher. I'm not advocating for working the count and looking for walks all the time. That can be annoying. But right now, we need Tyler Glass now gone, and he's giving the inning away, and you're giving it right back to him. Yeah, that's – yeah, I mean, the, the eight-pitch inning was – I mean, look, on top of the eight-pitch inning, this entire game was the offense's fault. So that's why I'm not a fan – I'm not the biggest Aaron Boone guy. I love his energy. I love when he is screaming at umps. And um, although I do hate it at times, I, I, I do like how he's very calculated with the media. Um, although, you know, we could have used a spark before Luke Voigt spoke up and talked about how the team was vastly underperforming. I think he can improve in those areas, but I don't think you can blame a manager in this game five when the offense puts when the best offense in the league theoretically puts up one run again. Um, Yeah. Again, want like, this is like we said, the Yankees will never pitching will never be the reason the Yankees lose a game. It will be the offense. The Yankees don't win pitchers duels. It just never happens. It doesn't even matter if we have Garrett Cole. Now it's not in our DNA to win a pitchers duel. And this is another thing. The front office, there, there are two things here that bug me. One, is the insistence to keep judge in the two hole uh not on a regular basis just when he is struggling this guy came into the postseason ice cold he couldn't have looked any worse and then he comes into the postseason he has that colossal home run versus Shane Bieber tremendous but then doesn't get a hit for his next eight at bats doesn't even and, and strikes out four times he has that huge home run off Blake Snell but then doesn't get a hit for another 10 at bats and then he gets the whole colossal home run against Nick Anderson. But then every other at bat after that was like, he was lost at the plate. I don't think he's undeserving of batting number two. I just think that move, moving him down in the lineup would have done him good. It would have helped him get some confidence back. It would have taken some pressure off of him, And it could have changed the story because when judge is hitting and he's hot, this team is completely different. This team is putting up eight to 10 runs when he's tearing the cover off the ball. So I don't know if that's a boom decision or if that's a front office decision, because at this point we'll never know that it's all, it's all meddled and mixed and the, the analytics is now, you know, kind of taken over um, in a sense, but I think that's, that's number one. Um, and I don't even remember what my number two was, cause that just pissed me off, but either way, um, <laughs> the, putting up, putting up one run is the reason you're in this position. And I get, look, I get it. Aaron Boone is a manager. In October, he has to earn his money and he has to make the right decisions. But what move are you making that Aaron Boone is not making? Are you bringing in Adovino in between Britain and Chapman or in between Cole and Britain? Are you, you're not bringing in Jonathan Loisega. You're not bringing in Jonathan Holder. Chad Green can't pitch. I don't know what your decision making is. Maybe let Cole go one more inning, I guess. I guess if that's the that's the one thing you really wanted to do, but he managed the game perfectly in terms of the bullpen pretty much every other time. He, I think he, I think now, you know, the, now we know who is able to pitch and who is not Jonathan Loisega can no longer be relied upon ever again. He came in in two high leverage spots against both the Indians and the Rays and beefed it both times. Um, so you can't trust that guy there. And Look, I, I I would live love to bring an Adovino, but the guy fell off the face of the earth, and he has pro- he proved last year you can't trust them in the postseason. So what if Boone brings in Adovino, and that's the game the game deciding home run? Then who's the asshole? 
So that's the only problem I have with all of this because there's limited options. There's only so much you can do. And if you can't, you know, your two best relievers should probably be able to get, you know, 10, 11 outs. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's too crazy. No, I think, I mean, thank goodness this didn't go to extra innings. I don't think I could have handled that. I I could barely handle the nine innings. And I I could speak for, I speak for, I hope I speak for everyone. When I say that when the Brasso Homer went out, you were all, everyone was devastated for like five, 10, 15, 20 seconds. And then sort of relieved that this garbage was going to probably end soon. That there was either a top of the ninth where we could rally and tie the game or maybe take the lead. You know, the, the pressure was now on and we weren't just in stasis mode for another six innings waiting to get walked off. Because after the judge home run, this offense was doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can say the Yankees need pitching all you want. It's true. They definitely did not have the pitching depth that the Rays did or that the elite teams in baseball have. They need a reliever to this offseason especially if our oldest Chapman is traded, which we are super advocating for. And it's starting to feel like a lot of people are too. So I would stay tuned on that front. That is no longer a pipe dream. That is a real possibility. Um, But they certainly need one or two more bullpen arms that you can count on. They certainly need one or two more starters to fill the gaps, whether that is Garcia or Clark Schmidt taking a step forward and one veteran addition. I don't know. The pitching will come, right? And you can, you can keep saying the Yankees don't have enough pitching and that's cool. But when the pressure was on in game five of the ALDS, the offense showed up for one Aaron Judge home run and then chose to do nothing for the remainder of the game and showed no signs of even putting pressure on the opposing pitcher. The Rays scored one run going to the eighth too, but you know what they did? Put guys on base every single inning. They took advantage of a Gio Urshela error. They took walks. Joey Wendell and Yandy Diaz took 19 pitches in the fourth to pretty much kick Garrett Cole out of the game. Like, one of them got on base, one of them didn't, and they ruined Garrett Cole's pitch count. And these are the things that good lineups that can be counted on every single day do in deciding games. The Yankees hit a an opposite field judge home run and looked like they decided, I'm done for the day. That was against Nick Anderson. That is the closer. They've already burned their two best arms. Uh, Glass now's gone. Anderson's about to be gone. And there's a one nothing lead for the Yankees. And from that point forward, the offense couldn't manage anything. And, and you can you know you can get on the pitching as much as you want but did you watch game one of the ALCS Framber Valdez gave up two runs for the Astros and looked spectacular Astros uh lost to the Rays 2-1 you're gonna tell me that Framber Valdez was terrible and the Astros needed more pitching no the Astros put guys on base all day long couldn't get them in it's the Yankees offense against the Rays pitching and they they prevailed against the unit that was more for the the Rays pitching was a more prepared unit than the offense again you just put it on the offense you you want the you 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 eventually want to enter a postseason the favorite and the, the the over you know the the overdog but the Yankees haven't done it now four years in a row. Oh, now uh, I remember what I was going to say. Go for it because it's actually on. It's on this. It's it's on this trajectory. It's the front office's reliance on this boomer bus lineup, and it very much seems to me that they're putting a lot more value into OBP and OPS than they are batting average. We look at. I love DJ LeMahieu, but we look at DJ LeMahieu and we think he's God because no other Yankee player really hits for average. Yes, DJ LeMahieu has been hitting hit for an incredible average this year and was, you know, is nails with runners in scoring position, but that kid, like he is, he's put on the pedestal because nobody else does that. And this team doesn't have that ability to string together hits. It's just, it's hit home run, it's home run, it's walk, walk, home run. 
Um, you know, it's not like the 2015 Royals where they're just bludgeoning you with singles in the first couple innings. And then, you know, there's a ton of runners on base and the pitcher doesn't know what to do. It's you're waiting for the home run ball and you're waiting and you're waiting and home run balls don't just, they, they don't just come, you know, this, this team isn't Barry Bonds. Um, and it's hard to rely on that. And yeah, people will say, oh, look, every year we're going to call out, we're, we're going to say, you can't have a lineup that relies on home runs. And then look at the Astros. They're, you know, they're, they're destroying the twins and they're destroying the Oakland A's. And it's like, okay, well, we'll see how that goes in the ALCS against much better pitching when they're just solely relying on home run balls and, and, and whatever, because it just, it, you, that's not a way to play aggressive baseball. A home run is not, you know, a way to, it's not like a, a foolproof way to put pressure on a pitcher. It just happens when you're stringing together singles and doubles and, and, you know, working the counts, that's a different story. But the problem with the Yankees is that when they go radio silent, there are no runs, there are no home runs. They're not working the count. They have a terrible eye um, and they're not, they're not even getting singles. So I think the reliance on these other stats rather than just bat, I've always valued to me just batting average over OBP because a hit makes the defense work. A walk does not. You get on bit, you know, you walk John Carlos Stanton. That's great. He can't really run the bases. So he's on first doing what? If you have a guy like DJ LeMahieu, for example, who hits a single, you know, can maybe stretch it into a double if he puts it in between the outfielders. And then he's a guy who can run. So if he gets to second, then you're in trouble because that's now a legitimate runner in scoring position. So I don't know. That's, that's the way I feel about it. I think the reliance on these, you know, these next, these, uh, I don't even know what you call it, the, the next tier of advanced stats because OVP and OPS aren't really – that doesn't really uh, – uh, that's not, you know, part of the spreadsheet analysis that everybody's talking about and how analytics is taking over the game. But I think batting average needs to be a little bit more held in higher regard because DJ's the only guy batting – Eric Kratz bat over 300 this year, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Eric cool. Kratz and DJ. <laughs> <laughs> the two legends, the two must extend players. Uh, sorry, uh, that's I had to. You were right on target there with the offense going radio silent, and I thought that was a really big aspect of it. No, a hundred percent. And I just like it, it's funny because I don't feel like the Astros are that aggressive. I feel like they are taking pitches and they they are just ambushing the pitches that they want to hit, which is what the Yankees don't do. They get meatballs eventually, mm-hmm. and they can't like they can't execute. Jose Altuve is the only guy who genuinely is like first pitch I'm ripping mm-hmm. and like he was terrible during their all regular season long and then homers against Blake Snell in the, in the first game of the CS last night uh they took a fat L though that was cool um but like Correa and Michael Brantley strike me as guys and, and Springer strike me as guys who will wait it out wait it out wait it out and then strike late in the at bat the Yankees wait and then hope the ump is going to bail them out on on a called strike he doesn't and then they're suddenly 3-0 to 3-2 and on the 3-2 pitch, they don't take a good cut on, on a center cut fastball. And, and they let pitchers get back into at-bats repeatedly. But 2017, we're not the favorites. Uh, go on this miracle run, go up 3-2, going to Houston. Can't win either game at Houston. Fine. Totally fine. It's the bedrock of a potential dynasty. It's, you know, Todd Frazier and Chase Headley and Jacoby Ellsbury are on this team. I think everyone knows they're not going to be on the next great Yankee team. So fine. Incredible, very fun year. No expectations. 2018, they enter with AL favorite expectations, and for no apparent reason, the Red Sox win 108 games. You know, no breaks, enter that DS, tie it at Fenway. After, you know, there was a chance they could have won game one at Fenway, too. You've got, like, Stanton with the bases loaded striking out. That's a one-run game. Mm-hmm. Yanks have a couple bases loaded opportunities where they can't come through. Come home and get just completely punked. Luis Severino forgets when the game starts. 
Uh, they lose 16-1, and then CC loses the last game. Gary Sanchez almost hits a huge bomb, and it's just a fly out to the wall because these are the breaks that the Yankees have not gotten for a solid decade. 2019, they get the ad. This is the best playoff team the Yankees have ever had in like since 2009. The, the team in 2019, they won. They win Game One in Houston to the CS, and then of course lose Giancarlo Stanton to injury, and then they already lost Mike Talkman to injury in the regular season, and then you have Cameron Maben starting every playoff game and Verlander and Cole lined up and oh what a shock now they're down 2-1 and they need to knock it to win game four and he doesn't and that series goes down the tubes too even before Altuve ended it with a home run and then again this year they're the American League favorites somehow they have a terrible season they go 33 and Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies now that we've covered something you could do it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do if you were head coach you would not have gone for it on fourth down your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans but you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates Coverage for Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. 27, that is not good enough. Sorry, can't mince words. Simply not good. They aren't the favorite. The Rays clearly outperformed them in the regular season. The Yankees believe they can rely on some sort of magic in the postseason. They win game one again. Game two, they take themselves apart from the inside out and decide to do some trickeration with all the momentum in the world. Still get it to game five. And then you've got the little things, the little differences. Aaron Judge leaps to Rob and Austin Meadows' home run, doesn't know there's a giant padding over the right field wall at Petco Park, bangs his head under it, can't rob the homer. Gardner robs a homer an inning later. I'm pretty confident Judge Cat. Like, I backtracked on this over the weekend. I took some time to reflect. I, like, went to the monastery, did the monk thing, just, like, 24 hours of silence. Pretty sure Judge catches that ball if he doesn't bang his head under Mm -hmm. the padding. But – you know, you cannot account for things like that. You can't build a roster under the assumption that Randy Arena is going to be better than Aaron Judge. Like, these are the things the front office cannot account for. So you're getting to October, and what you need is some luck to go your way. You need Tyler Wade to hit 670 in a playoff series. You need, a, you know, a game-winning sack bunt. The 2009 Yankees won the World Series because A-Rod kept coming up clutch and tying games repeatedly in the bottom of the ninth. But also, Jerry Harrison Jr. scored from second on an overthrown, you know, grounder in extra innings thanks to Eric Ibar. The Yankees have not gotten these breaks in over a decade. And people like to think, people like to pretend that the Yankees are the only franchise that ever gets lucky, right? Oh, where do they find Gio Urshela? Where do they find Luke Voigt? You know, only the Yankees do this. Well, not really, because the Rays turned the Cardinals' 38th-ranked prospect, Randy Rosarena, into Mookie Betts in this series. The Rays turned Pete Fairbanks from Texas into a 100-mile-an-hour throwing monster who ended up going two innings in a deciding game. And the Rays got the surprise performances that came through in October, and Gio Urshela and Luke Voigt basically did not hit in this series, which means you can't claim that the Yankees got lucky and tripped into more gold when the gold that they tripped into did not perform in October. So we're now on an 11-year run of the Yankees not getting the breaks in the playoffs and not delivering when, you know, seasons are on the line. And at some point, it's going to have to change because in order to win a title, you need to do some stuff by accident. And people like to claim that the Yankees are the luckiest team in the world, but we're on 11 years now of them being lucky for 162 games sometimes. And when the microscope is on them, being the coldest they've ever been and things that haven't happened all season suddenly happening and players on the opposing teams getting imbued with the skills that they attempted to build their own roster with. 
Brock Holt hit for the cycle against the Yankees in a 2018 season turning playoff game. Steve Pierce won the 2018 World Series for the Red Sox. That is not scouting. That is luck. And so Boston is no longer allowed to tell us that we are the lucky team. Tampa can't say that. Houston can't say that. If you're a fan of a rival of the Yankees, you're not allowed to say that until the Yankees accidentally win a World Series, which each one of their rivals has done over the past several years. I'm sorry. That's it. That's my concluding statement. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, we were watching, you were watch, sitting there watching game four, and you look at the Rays lineup, and this entire lineup was constructed via trades or pickups off the G Man Choi was Yankee, Yankees released them, Rays picked yeah. them up. Ooh. Yandy Diaz, trade with the Indians. Randy Arozarena, trade with the Cardinals. Manny Margot, trade with the Padres. Joey Wendell, trade with the Indians. Willie Adamas, trade with the Tigers. Mike Zanino, trade with the Mariners. All these guys played integral roles, and they're you would they're not even close to being, you know, any game breaking player. They're just they they're they're just getting the job done when they need to. Joey Wendell, low key, red hot during these playoffs. A Rosarena speaks for itself. Yandy Diaz puts forth. Yandy Diaz is pretty good. He put forth a lot of good at bats. Manny Marco hit the home run in Game Three to really ice it. Adamas is a great shortstop and puts you know, always puts the ball in play. Mike Zanino hit that fucking home run off Jay Happ. So you're right. I mean, to think that the Yankees get lucky is unbelievable, but just stop trading with the Rays. Stop. There's no reason for it. You're not, you're not winning. You're never going to win a trade with the Rays. Never, ever, ever, ever. Yandy Diaz, amazing. Like, can we, let's give Yandy Diaz props. That, that dude, and that dude came from Cleveland. We got our shell and they got Yandy Diaz. But of yeah. course, after this series, you know, one was better than the other, and it wasn't the guy who was better than the other one all year. Yandy Diaz with one leg, putting up a ridiculous at-bat against Garrett Cole after fouling a ball off his own crotch. Like, yeah. he was incredible in this series. Yeah, so uh, the, the Rays are – the Ray, the, the, this is the Rays' work. This is, this is what they do, and this goes – you know, there's – they deserve – they kind of deserve to get lucky because they, you know, put, I guess, you know, it's their fault for putting themselves in a – being a small market uh team where they don't want to spend money but they make up for it by making these trades and you know they get that is a lot of it wits yeah there's a great amount of it luck yeah Manny Margot probably shouldn't be hitting a two-run homer to to shut the door in a in a in a momentum shifting playoff game so I don't know but yeah stop stop calling the Yankees lucky because they just had one of the best offenses you'll ever see that was finally completely healthy and they put up one run and they had the raise on the ropes. So that's, that's not lucky. That's, that's unlucky and also bad at the same time. And that's, I don't know. It's just so annoying. I can't yeah. believe this is it. Why is this I'm, it? I'm going to be positive for like 1.5 seconds. If you've scrubbed to the 55 minute mark of this podcast, Garrett Cole was awesome. I mean, let, yeah. let's say Garrett Cole on three days rest delivered um you know we we love that guy we hope that he's you know spending his prime with the Yankees team that for once is set up properly to compete in the postseason when 2021 rolls around I am uh I am more optimistic than most after you just listen to me scream forever I think the 2021 Yankees will be good I think a lot of money is coming off the books and it's going to have to be used in some interesting ways that, that stretch the budget uh, because they are going to get under the luxury tax threshold. You're going to have to be prepared for that. Um, you know, nobody, all owners are crying poor after the pandemic. We, we, we will see what Steve Cohen does across in flushing for the Mets, but I think almost every established baseball owner is going to cry poor. I think you're going to see a lot of guys 
take the qualifying offer. Uh, and I think the Yankees should consider doing that with James Paxton. We'll, yep. we'll see. Um, I, I think a lot of guys are going to end up going back to where they were before. I think George Springer probably stays in Houston on a little bit of a short-term sweetheart deal. We're going to have to see how these things shake out. Um, but the Yankees are going to have to get creative. They're going to have to get some guys who put bat on ball and, and just, you know, they're going to have to reinforce the bench. The bench we thought was a huge strength coming into this season, and it's the same guys who we thought were a strength, and they're clearly a weakness. Mike Ford, Mike Talkman, not currently major league options. Unfortunately, Tyro Estrada, Tyler Wade, not quite major league options. Got to get a veteran or two in there. Uh, Got to figure out a way to upgrade some key areas. I see no reason why the Yankees won't be back next year. I'm just sad. Again, this was another year where they should have had the best roster in the game. As soon as they stepped on the field and paper became reality, it was pretty clear they didn't. Uh, and then when they entered the playoffs, they flipped a switch, and it was like, is this the year they were actually getting lucky? Short 60-game season, maybe people underestimated the Yankees. Maybe we go on this miracle run. It's certainly we shouldn't have dispatched Cleveland the way we did. That game two goes down in Yankee lore. Seems like we're making the momentum run this year, and then just like that, we snuff our own momentum out in game two, and we never get it back. And then we, we turn things around in game four, win that, send it to game five. Whitey Ford dies. We score one run and can't do anything uh, and put no pressure on the pitcher ever and extinguish ourselves just like that again. So it's sad. I'm tired of this being the end of the season. Uh, it, you know, I finally, I think I realized the Yankee fans are entitled and that I am entitled. Um, it, for a long time, I claimed, I'm not entitled. I just want to see my team not suck. And then I grew up and I sort of realized, yes, I am entitled. I'm not satisfied with what I just saw. I, I'm not satisfied with the way the, the replace for 28 seasons happened and ended in 2019. A lot of heartbreaking losses for the Yankees over the last 20 years, just objectively. And the people who hate the Yankees are having a ton of fun and they have fun every year. Um, and they've had fun far more often than Yankee fans have had fun. Uh, in order for the haters to, to really appreciate these losses, I wish there were some Yankee wins mixed in to give me a little satisfaction too. It would probably make the haters' lives better as well. Then they would feel like they were actually rooting against something instead of rooting against the machine that always breaks down. Uh, <laughs> I, I am optimistic in 2021. Uh, I get tricked every year. But right now, yeah, I'm just sad. I'm still sad. Yeah, I mean, look, 2021, Severino's back. Tommy Conley, what, will he, no, he probably won't be back. No, be back I don't by think the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, but Severino's back, and that's a huge rotation piece that could have very well been the difference in this series. That's another, you know, another reason why giving Boone a lot of shit is a little bit uncalled for because he was he was operating without two starters who would have very much carried the load for the Yankees in this series, and he wouldn't have had to gone to the bull, he wouldn't have had to go to the bullpen as much as he did. Wouldn't have had to call on Chapman for six, seven outs on uh, two, three separate occasions. You know, injuries always play a role, but that's still no excuse because at the end of the day, it came down to execution, and that's that's what that's what doomed it. Because the Rays had injuries, too. I don't mean to, you know, continue rambling here, but the Rays had injuries, too. They lost Chirinos and uh, Chaz Rowe and uh, uh, Kittredge. Yeah, those are three very integral aspects of their pitching staff that carried them in a multitude of ways, and they found they found a way to get around it. They found a way to cope with it. Instead, the front office for us thinks a way to cope with it is a Davey Garcia opener followed by a, J, a, a plan to trick them with J.A. Happ. So it's it's execution on all levels. You know, you got to blame everybody top to bottom. You know, I think we'll be back next year. I'm optimistic. There's no reason to be pessimistic. I mean, this is the only – the reason to be pessimistic is if you're looking ahead a full year and you're like, well, they're going to do this shit again. 
They're going to get to the playoffs and they're going to shit the bed again. That's what's going to happen. Nope. Next year we'll have a full 162 game slate, um, which, you know, uh, we're very much built for, as we've seen, even when we're decimated with injuries, we rack up over a hundred wins. So that that'll put us in good position to get a good playoff seating. We'll have home field advantage back. Hopefully that makes a difference. Um, but we'll be back on Wednesday because we got a lot of talk about on Wednesday in terms of potential moves, what they need to do, what they should do, what they probably won't do. And that's going to be a big topic of conversation throughout the ALCS and World Series because right when that's over, we're right into the offseason. And that's when decisions have to be made because this team cannot sit around any longer and, you know, twiddle their thumbs and just hope things are going to happen. Changes need to be made. The last two seasons have proved that. Here we go. Yeah, this team was built for Luis Severino and James Paxton and to an extent Domingo Herman. So the Yankees went in at a deficit uh, and could not dig out. But I will say, uh, let's just be realistic. The Yankees will continue to be good for a long time. And now they have to get lucky in some capacity. And luck is the residue of design. And there are moves to be made. We will share our offseason plans on Wednesday. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And obviously, as the offseason develops, we're going to continue to change the timeline. That is it for this sad wrap-up episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. We hope we brought you a little bit of peace. Certainly, we brought ourselves some peace. Just listen to the voice volume from the beginning of this to the end. Now, it basically sounds like we're, we're whispering, you know, <laughs> in a quiet parking lot, just sort of hugging each other after, after a wake. Um, but that's it. Um, until next time, uh, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you do listen to your sad Yankees podcasts. Uh, we're going to keep the same content schedule for the offseason, so you're going to be getting a lot of us. And hopefully uh, we're going to be able to make uh, some, some hefty commentary on some intelligent moves instead of just ripping apart things that we do not like. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib, and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Unfortunately, there will be no more games. There will be no more live tweeting, but still head over to the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS for all of the depressing articles and potential trade scenarios and potential free agent signings that you'll see over the next few days. Yeah. Until then, uh, it's been a very sad day and it will continue to be a very sad week, but we're here and we hope you will be too. Until next time, see ya. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.